Good morning. Would you open your word today? This is God's word to us through Solomon in chapter 15 of Proverbs as we continue reading about God's truth. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great trouble, great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox in hatred with it. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is, a joy, is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. The path of life leaves upward for the prudent, that he may, he may turn away from Sheol beneath. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. 
Well, thank you, Marcia. Well, this morning we are continuing our sermon series in the book of Proverbs and come to Proverbs chapter 15. And as you can tell just by looking and, and reading through this chapter, there's a whole lot of different topics and subjects and, and themes within chapter 15 here. So it's hard to know exactly uh, for this sermon this, this week to know exactly which theme, which topic, which subject to kind of hone in on during our, our time together. The, the two primary themes, if you noticed, that are covered most often in this chapter are two themes that we've already covered. So that made my job really easy. Uh, our mouth, the words we say, the words we speak, and receiving correction. And so then in, in preparing for this sermon, like the last thing I wanted to do is like to rehash and revisit and recover a theme and a topic that we've already covered within this sermon series. I've already preached on the tongue, and then a few weeks ago, Jared preached on receiving correction, and so I'm like, what in the world am I going to do with chapter 15? So, so I was studying and kind of digging into it a little deeper, just really felt impressed to revisit a subject that we've already preached on in this sermon series and covered already. And that subject is our speech. It's our mouth. It's, it's the words that we, we say. And again, I, I know as some of you hear that, if you've been in this series for a while, you're thinking, not again. Like, we, we've already done that. Conviction already set in that one week. Like, no, not our, not our mouth. And so I, I, I get that, right? I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I understand that, that response. I understand that, that reaction. At the same time, like Proverbs speaks a whole lot about the mouth. Like there are, one, one commentator said there are over, and I didn't confirm this, but there are, I should have. He said there are over 90 Proverbs on our speech on the use of the tongue. Like there are more proverbs on our speech than there are on any other topics, any other subjects. And so what that means then is that if we're going through the book of Proverbs and preaching through the book of Proverbs, there's, there's no way around the tongue. Like it means we're going to be talking about the mouth and our speech a whole lot if we're preaching through this book because this book talks about it a whole lot. Not, not only that, but this whole topic of, and subject of our, our mouth, the words we speak, like, it's an area like, let's be honest, we, we, all need, we all need to grow in, right? Like, it's an area we can all improve in. It's an area we all need help in. Like, James chapter 3, verse 8 says that no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Like, no human being can tame the tongue. And so what that means then is that nobody in this room, including myself, have arrived when it comes to our speech. We all have room to grow. We all have room to improve when it comes to taming the tongue. And so, so we'd be crazy then to think, about, to think that just one sermon on, on the tongue in our speech all the way back in Proverbs 10 will do the trick and fix us. Instead, no, we, we need continual, constant reminders when it comes to our mouth and our speech and our tongue. Not only that, but, but another reason I think it's good that we revisit and focus on this topic of the mouth once again is because, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but 
Like our words are, are powerful. Like really, really, really powerful. Like have you thought about that? Like your mouth is a weapon. It, it's a weapon that can destroy things that can cause a whole lot of damage and harm in people, in relationships, in people you love and even care about. And that your words can destroy friendships. Your words can destroy a marriage. Your words can get you fired at work. Your words can destroy a church. Your words can cause scars that will last a lifetime in the hearts of people, it can cause pain and heartache and hurt that, that people that you love and care about can't ever get over. On the flip side, though, your words can bring life to people. Like your words can bring joy and peace and, and hope to people. And so then you, you, have, a, you have a weapon in, in your mouth, your, your words, that, that's powerful. And because of that, then, it's, it's important then that we know how to properly use our speech and our mouth and our, and our words. And that's really the whole point of all these proverbs, these naughty plus proverbs that deal with our speech and the words that we, the words that we say. That, that these proverbs, it's, think about it, it's God's wisdom to us, equipping us on how to properly use this powerful weapon that God has given us. We don't know how to use it properly in our, in our broken, depraved state. We need the wisdom of God to give us an instruction manual to help equip us to know how to use this powerful weapon that he's given to us and entrusted us with. And that's what we're going to see here within chapter 15 this morning. Like, we, we don't have time to preach on all 33 Proverbs within this chapter this morning. Instead, what we're going to do are, is just specifically focus on the Proverbs that deal with our speech and the words that we say. And as we look at these specific Proverbs in chapter 15 that deal with the words that we say, what they're going to remind us of are, are three questions that we need to ask ourselves before we ever talk. Everybody with me? Meaning before we ever open up our mouths, this powerful weapon that we have, and engage in a conversation with someone else, before we do that, then these Proverbs that we're going to look at are going to show us and give us three questions that we need to ask ourselves before a word ever comes out of our mouth. But that's not all it's going to do. These Proverbs are also going to give us one question that we need to ask ourselves after we speak. So three questions that we need to ask ourselves before we speak, and then one question that we need to ask ourselves after we speak. That's what these specific Proverbs in chapter 15 are going to remind us, and they're going to show us what these specific questions are. Everybody with me? So that's where we're headed during our time together this morning. So here's the first question we need to ask ourselves before we speak. And the first question is this. You can see it on your hand out there. 
Are these the right words? Are these the right words? In other words, before you speak, think about what you're going to say. Everybody with me? Before you speak, think about what you're going to say and ask yourself, are these the right words? Where we see this is in the very end of the chapter, chapter 15 here, there in verse 28. Look there with me. It says, the heart of the righteous, and here's the key word, ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And so then we see a contrast here, right? See a contrast between how the righteous speak and how the wicked speak. And it says here in verse 28 that the wicked pours out evil things. That word pours out, it, it's, a, it's a reference to a, to a spring that gushes out, that, that pours out, that bubbles out water. That, that's the imagery that's being used there. So the wicked gushes out, it, it pours out evil words like, like water gushes out of a spring. The righteous, though, if you notice here, ponder how to answer. In other words, the righteous don't just blurt out the first thing that comes to their minds. Words don't just pour out of their mouths. Words don't just gush out of their mouths. Instead, they ponder, they pause, they think about what they're going to say before they say it. And we know, right? Like how, how important that is. Like anybody else besides me ever said something that you regret? Like raise hands, please. Okay. Half of you. Great. <laughs> others, the others of you, next week in chapter 16, we'll talk about lying and all the proverbs on lying. Okay. So your time's coming since you speak so great. No. Um, man, I, I, me, I... I, they're, they're tall. yeah, right? I mean, things I said, I'm like, can I just, comes out, oh, no, get, I'm like, can I get that back? We've all said things that we regret. And so then here are some questions, specific questions, just to, to ponder, to consider, to, to think about before you speak, that, that will help you to think about what you're going to say before you say it, and to help you think, are, are these the right words? Here, here's some questions to think about before you talk. And we, we get these questions from chapter 15 here, but the first question is this. Will what I'm about to say hurt or heal? Will what I'm about to say hurt or heal? I get this from verse four. Look at verse four with me. Verse four says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. If you have an ESV translation that I'm preaching from, you'll notice that there's a footnote right next to, beside the word gentle. If you trace that footnote down to the bottom of the page, it says, or healing. So what that means is that's another way that that word gentle can be translated into English. And in all likelihood, it's a more accurate trans description and translation of what this word means. It's a healing tongue is a tree of life. A healing tongue is a tree of life. But, verse 4, perverseness in it breaks the spirit. That word perverseness means twisted. It means corrupted. 
meaning it's not in line, it's not in accordance with God's righteousness, with God's righteous standard. So then specifically in verse 4, it's a reference to, to talk and speech and words that aren't in line with God's standard of righteousness. So it's a reference to things like lying and, and gossip and slander and grumbling and belittling others and being boastful and words like that. That those specific perverse words that are twisted and corrupted and not according to God's standard of righteousness, he says those words are the kind of words that break, did you notice that? That breaks the spirit. They break the spirit of the person that you're talking to, meaning it breaks their heart, it breaks them on the inside, it breaks their spirit. Like my son Jacob that just got baptized, he has a cast on, because this Tuesday morning we took him to get x-rayed, and he had a break in his wrist or in his forearm. And that's what that word breaks here means. It's, it's a medical term. It means to fracture something, to crush something, to break something. And that's exactly what these perverse words, like lying and gossip and grumbling and all these words, that's what these perverse words will do to someone's spirit. They'll break their spirit. They'll fracture their spirit. They'll crush their spirit. It will hurt them and bring all sorts of pain to them, like really, really bad. But this right here then is is where this first line of verse 4 comes in. That those who've been hurt in this way, and whose spirits have been broken, whose spirits have been crushed, then they need those with a healing tongue to come and speak words that will heal their broken spirits, that will heal their crushed hearts. And this right here is is how we're supposed to use our words. We're not to use them to break, to crush, to fracture each other's spirits and hearts. We're to use them to heal each other's broken spirits and broken hearts. And so then before you utter a word out of your mouth, like you need to ask yourself, will this word, will these words hurt or will these words heal the person I'm talking to? And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Sometimes healing words hurt. Does that make sense? So I'm not like all throughout Proverbs, we talk about rebuke and correction and sometimes healing words hurt. And so I'm not saying, and Proverbs isn't saying, if something hurts, don't say it. If it's healing, say it, even if it hurts. But the type of hurt words that he's talking about here are perverse words, words that don't line up with with God's standard of righteousness. The second question to ask before you speak then is this. You see this on your handout. Will what I'm about to say be an abomination to the Lord or pleasing to the Lord? Will what I'm about to say be an abomination to the Lord or pleasing to the Lord? We see this question. It it comes from verse 26. Look there with me. It says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. So then again, we see a contrast here, right, between thoughts and words that are an abomination to the Lord 
and words that are gracious in God's sight. And in order to, to understand kind of that contrast that's being made here, we have to first understand what this word gracious means. That word gracious, that's how the ESV translates it, but that word gracious here means pleasant. It means delightful. So then according to verse 26 here, the words that are, that are pleasant, the words that are pleasing, the words that are delightful in God's sight are pure words. They're, they're pure words, meaning they're, 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 they're words that are, that are clean, meaning they're words that aren't contaminated. In other words, they're words that aren't contaminated with things like lying and slander and grumbling and gossip. They're words that are void of sin. They're words that are void of any deceit of any kind. Instead, they're uncontaminated, pure, clean words. Those type of words are delightful. They're, they're pleasant. They're pleasing in God's sight. On the other hand, though, the, the thoughts and words of the wicked are, are an abomination to the Lord. And so this is important, right? But to remember and, and ponder and think about before we ever speak, that when we speak, we need to realize that two people are listening. The person that we're talking to and the Lord. Both of them are listening. And our words are either going to be an abomination to the Lord or they're going to be pleasing and pleasant and delightful to the Lord. And so then before we speak, we, we don't need to just ask, how are our words going to affect the other person that we're talking to and whether our words are going to help or heal them, we also need to ask, how are our words going to affect God and whether or not they're going to be an abomination in his, in his ears or whether they're going to be pleasing and pleasant and delightful to his ears. So that's the first question. We need to ask before we speak. We need to consider what we're going to say and ask ourselves, are these the right words? But if any of you know anything in terms of communication, you know that the right words aren't enough. Instead, it's also important to ask the second question. And the second question is this. Is this the right tone? Is this the right tone? In other words, once you determine the words you're going to say, then you need to consider how you're going to say them. In other words, you need to consider your tone. And where we see this is in verse 1 of chapter 15. Look there with me. Verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So again, it's not just what we say that's important. It's also important how we say what we say. And that's the point that's being made here in verse 1. It says, a soft answer. That word soft there means tender. It means delicate. It means gentle. And that sort of word, that sort of answer, he says, turns away wrath. Meaning if, if someone, and, and we all know this, I think, if someone's angry at you, 
and mad at you and giving you a piece of their mind, they're loud, they're boisterous, if you respond to them calmly and gently and softly and don't respond, you know, anger for anger, then generally speaking, and I emphasize generally speaking, it usually de-escalates the situation. Like it disarms the other person. It calms them down. Again, that, that's definitely not always true. But generally speaking, that's true. But if you respond to them with harsh words, anger with anger, then it will just stir up anger in the other person. It will be like throwing gasoline on a fire. And the point here of all this is that our tone matters. It just doesn't matter what we say. It matters how we say what we say. Or another way to think about it is, is this. Our tone will determine whether we have a conversation with someone or whether we have an argument with someone. So husbands, you can come home after work and say to your wife, so what'd you do today? And you'll receive one type of answer. Or you can come home and say, what'd you do today? And I guarantee you, you'll receive another type of answer. Right? Yes. Or if you're watching a college football game, like, like I was last night with your son, and he accidentally presses a button on the remote, you can say, What'd, what'd you just do? <laughs> or you can say, maybe like, I did. What'd you do? You'll get one response to the first one and one response to the second. Like your tone matters. Again, it doesn't just matter what you say. It matters how you say what you say. So then here's the homework assignment, and this is going to be really, really hard and humbling. Go to two or three people that know you really well and that you're really close to and ask them this question. This is going to be hard. How's my tone? Not, not my words, my con but how, how's my tone? How do I come across when I talk? And when they tell you, don't defend yourself, don't justify yourself, just take notes and listen. Secondly then, the next assignment is this. Ask others to forgive you. Like, spend some time this week and just prayerfully ask the Lord if there's anybody that you've spoken harshly to in a way that you shouldn't have. That your, your tone just didn't come across in a good way. That, that you hurt them because of your tone, not because of what you said. And then reach out to them, confess it, and just look them in the eye and ask for their forgiveness. So then before you ask, before you speak then, ask 
Are these the right words? And is this the right tone? Thirdly then, third question to ask is this. Is this the right time? Is this the right time? In other words, we don't just need to consider what we say. We just don't need to consider how we're going to say it. We also need to consider when to say it. And where we see this is all the way down in, in verse 23 there of chapter 15. Look there with me. Verse 23 says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season how good it is. And so in verse 23 here, what we see, we don't see a contrast here like we saw in many of the other verses. Instead, in verse 23, we see parallelism, where the second line here is parallel to, and it's expanding on, it's elaborating on um, the point that was made in the, in the first line. And so in the first line, it says, an apt answer is a joy to a man. So that, that, those words, apt answer there, is a reference to saying the right thing at the right time. And th that's what a word in season means in the second line there in verse 23. A word in season means it's a timely word. It's the right word at the right time. Again, you're saying the right thing, the right word, the right thing at the right time. And so again, about 15 20 years ago, I have to use an illustration from a long time ago, but 15, 20 years ago, Amy, my wife, is spending the entire day laying ceramic tile in our entryway and into, in the, into our kitchen area, and working hard, sweating, blood all over her fingers, I don't know about that, but just working hard, right? And then her sweet little husband gets home, opens up the door, and the first word out of my mouth was, hey, honey, you missed a spot. Were those words right? Yes, they were. <laughs> she missed a spot. She needed to know that. Like those were right, accurate, correct words. Was my tone good? Yeah, for the most part. Was my timing good? No. No. Horrendous. Should have walked in and said, wow, look at all you've done. It's great. You're the most amazing wife ever. I, I, you know, all that. My timing was awful. What I said was okay. How I said it was okay. When I said it was horrendous. And so you can say the right thing in the right way. But if it's done at the wrong time, then it won't go well. And it didn't go well for me. <laughs> right, babe? Anyway, we won't talk about that. But timing, right? Ephesians 4.29 talks about this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Now listen to this. As fits the occasion... That, I may give grace to the, that it may give, give grace to those who hear. So then an important question we need to ask before we speak is, does this fit the occasion? I mean, imagine for a moment somebody's showing up at a swimming pool in a tuxedo. Is there anything wrong with wearing a tuxedo? No. Are there certain occasions in which you need to wear a tuxedo? 
I think there are. I wouldn't know, but yes, there are. But wearing a tuxedo at a swimming pool doesn't fit the occasion, right? Help me out, right? Yeah, it doesn't fit the occasion. And the same is often true when it comes to our words. We often say things that don't fit the occasion. And so then if someone is crying, like that's not the time to be sarcastic. If your wife is super stressed out with little Johnny and little Sally and trying to 100 billion other things, then that's not the time to step in and say, hey, can we talk about the family budget? That's just not the right time. So then, again, it's important not just to say the right thing in the right way. It's also important to say the right thing in the right way at the right time. And so then how can we improve in this area, knowing the right thing to say at the right time? Well, here's a couple suggestions just real quick. These aren't on your handout there. But the first suggestion is this. It's to focus on what the other person needs to hear not on what you want to say. It's to focus on what the other person needs to hear, not on what you want to say. In other words, one of the reasons that we struggle so much with knowing knowing the right thing to say at the right time is because our eyes are so often just focused on ourselves rather than focused on the other person. And because of that, then many times all we're thinking about because of that, is is what we want to say rather than what that other person needs to hear. And because all that we're thinking about is what we want to say rather than what that person needs to hear, we often say the the wrong thing at 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 the wrong time. Secondly then, the second suggestion would be then pray for discernment. In other words, ask for God's help. Ask for the Lord's to, Lord to give you discernment. And specifically pray and ask this question. What does this person need to hear right now? What fits the occasion? What's their need of the moment? What could I say right now that would best serve and benefit them in following Jesus and being more conformed into his likeness? How can I be an instrument of God's grace right now in their lives to heal them and not to hurt them. And so then, put all that together. Those are three questions that will save you a lot of heartache and other people that you're talking to, a lot of heartache. Are these the right words? Is this the right tone? And is this the right time? Like I guarantee you that asking those questions will keep you from hurting a whole lot of people. It'll keep you from causing a whole lot of damage and hurt and pain in the relationship with others. And it will help you to serve as an instrument of God's healing grace in the lives of of others. And this is especially true when it comes to to the church, right? It's especially needed when it comes to the church. I I mean, think about real quick just how the Bible describes who we are as a church. Who we are. What's our identity? Our corporate identity as a church. That because of Jesus's death, on the cross, that those of us who have trusted in him by faith, like we're a spiritual family now. We've been united together into a spiritual family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only that, we've been incorporated together into a corporate living temple. 
Corporately speaking, we're now God's dwelling place. We're living stones that are being united together in Christ who are now God's dwelling, God's dwelling place, excuse me, by his spirit. We're his holy corporate living temple. Not only that, we're, we've been united together into the same body. We're hands and feet and ears and eyes. And we belong to one another in the same body. Like that's our new identity. That's who we are, not just individually, but corporately now in Christ. And so then that means now if we say the wrong thing in the wrong way, at the wrong time, and destroy one another, and hurt one another with our words, then that grieves the heart of God that has joined us together. And it makes a mockery of the blood of Christ that has changed our identity and united us together as one. And because of that then, especially when it comes to our relationships and our conversations with one another in the church, it's imperative that we ask these three questions before we speak. But that's not all. We're going to end with this. And it's also important that we ask this one question after we speak. And the one question that we need to ask after we speak is this. It's, what do my words reveal about my heart? What do my words reveal about my heart? And we see this in verse 2. Look there with me. It says, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. In other words, what verse 2 is saying is, here's how those who are wise talk, and hear how those who are fools talk. Those who are wise commend knowledge, meaning they speak words of wisdom, they speak words of knowledge. Those who are fools pour out words of, of folly. What that means then, and we've talked about this right a few weeks ago, what this means then is that our words then reveal who we are. Our words reveal who we are. If our mouths pour out folly, you're a fool. If your mouth speak words of wisdom, words of knowledge, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, then those words reveal that you're wise. And this is important, right? Our words don't make us who we are. Please understand this. Your words don't make you who you are. Your words reveal who you are. And verse 7 makes the same exact point. Look at verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but not so the hearts of fools. So again, if you're, if you're wise, then your, whip, then your lips spread knowledge, speak knowledge, speak wisdom. But if you're a fool, they don't. So then again, your, your words reveal the reality of your heart. Your words reveal who you are. Your words reveal whether you're wise or whether you're a fool. And we talked about this again, right, a few weeks ago. Jesus talks about this. In, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, he says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can't think of anything more important 
for us to understand and grasp when it comes to our speech than that truth. There's nothing more important than understanding that that truth. And and here's why. It's because if, if, if you're constantly, consistently saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, with the wrong tone, then your problem isn't your tongue. Your problem is your heart. You don't have a tongue issue. You don't have a speech issue. You don't have a, you have a, you have a heart issue. The, those words that you're speaking with the wrong tone at the wrong time, they're coming from your heart. That, that's the source of where those words are coming from. And so what that means, and if you want them to change your words, if you want to change your tone, if you want to change your timing, then you first need to change your heart. Or as I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you want to change the fruit of your words, you have to first change the root, meaning your heart. Because the fruit of your words come from the root of your heart. Which then leads to this million dollar question. How do you change your heart? Well, here's how. You have to first understand that there is a battle and a war that is raging in your heart. And that battle and war that's raging in your heart, it's between, it's between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. And they're battling each other, self and God, to determine who's going to reign and who's going to rule on the throne of your heart. Which one are you going to worship? Which one is going to be the king? Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship self? Because if the kingdom of self rules and reigns as the king of your heart, then guess what? Then you're going to lie in order to make yourself look good. You're going to lash out in anger when you don't get what you want. You're going to complain and grumble when things don't go your way. You're going to gossip so, we'll, so you'll look good in front of others and they'll think that you're in the know and have the inside scoop. You're going to speak harshly when your selfish desires aren't met. And you're going to consistently and constantly say the wrong thing at the wrong time because your eyes, your heart is focused on, on you. And the reason you're going to speak in all these ways is because of who is reigning and ruling on the throne of your heart. And do you know who it is? It's you. It's, it's me. You're worshiping you. Your heart is being ruled by you. And that's the, way, that's the reason you talk the way you do. And the only way to change that then is for Jesus to reign and rule in your heart instead. And for his love and his mercy and his goodness and grace and kindness to fill your heart and reign in your heart instead of you. So then how, how does that happen? How do you do that? How does Jesus reign and rule in your heart? Well, it first begins with repentance and repenting of your self-worship and repenting of how you and your selfish desires have reigned and ruled in your heart instead of Jesus. 
and how you have been the king sitting on the throne of your heart rather than Jesus and confessing and repenting of how all of that then has manifested itself in your words and how you talk and how you communicate with others. That's where you start. It starts with repenting. But you don't stop there. Secondly then, you remember then. So you repent and then you remember And what you remember then is what you deserve for your selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered heart that worships itself. You, you, You remember what you deserve for all the wrong things that you have spoken at the wrong time in the wrong tone. You remember that those words are an abomination to the Lord. And because of that, you deserve his wrath and just judgment. You remember that that's what you deserve. But you don't stop there. You repent, you remember, and then thirdly, you remember that God, in his grace, didn't give you what you deserve. Instead, in his great love for you, God sent Jesus to come to this earth and to die in your place and to take the judgment you deserve for all the wrong words you've ever said in the wrong way and at the wrong time. And not only that, but he took the judgment that you deserve for where all those wrong words came from, from your selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed heart that Jesus died on the cross as your substitute to take the judgment you deserve for all of that. And the reality of that then that the reality of God's grace and the mercy that he has shown to you and the kindness that he has lavished upon you and the love that he has poured out upon you begins to fill your heart. And do you know what happens next? Who you worship then in your heart begins to change and who reigns supreme in your heart begins to change. You no longer worship yourself and reign supreme in your heart anymore, Jesus does. And as Jesus reigns supreme in your heart, and your heart is filled with his love and goodness and kindness and grace, then guess what else changes as well? Your words, your mouth, your speech. And slowly but surely, you begin to say the right words in the right way, at the right time. Not because you've made a New Year's resolution to talk better, but because Jesus has changed your heart and reigns supreme on the throne of your heart. And the mercy and the grace and the love and the forgiveness and kindness of God has filled your heart. And the primary way that that manifests itself and reveals itself is in our words. And as a result of that, then God uses our words as an instrument not to crush and break the spirit of others, but he uses our words now to heal and to give life to others. I pray that would be true of us as a church body and our relationships with one another. 
in our relationships with our families and roommates and coworkers and all those that we interact with, that they would see something uniquely different about us. And the reason that we're uniquely different is, isn't because we just figured out a way to talk better, but it's because the reality of who's reigning and ruling in our hearts is different. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the conviction of your word and how it exposes the reality of our hearts. Lord, we are a people, including myself, who have said the wrong things at the wrong time in the wrong ways over and over and over and over and over again. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the grace and the mercy that you have lavished upon us and that's available to us in Christ for foolish speakers like us. And I pray that as we drink deep in the grace that God has provided for us in Christ, that it would completely change our lips and our words and our mouths. And that you would help us to be instruments that heal one another and don't hurt one another. God, we need your help in that. And we acknowledge that that help can only come through the gospel and preaching the gospel to ourselves over and over and over and over again. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.